Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, but we want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. This is a, a, a particularly special Christmas because uh, this century... Um, only uh, 14 times has Christmas fallen on a Sunday. The last time was in 2011, and uh, we were here for that. And I know, I don't know if you guys have looked online, lots of churches struggling with whether or not to have a service Christmas because, you know, they want their families to stay home, and they knew this was going to happen. A lot of people weren't going to show up. We just decided, you know what, what better day to worship the Lord than on his birthday. So, uh, we're going to start off with just praising God in song. Uh, walk through, we did last night at our Christmas Eve celebration, um, just walk through another aspect of the Christmas story. Last night we walked through Luke. This morning uh, I wanted to walk through what Matthew records about the Christmas story. So if you want to take a Bible out, there should be one under your seats, left, right, or somewhere near you. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 This is what we read, and some of your Bibles may have it titled, The Birth of Jesus Christ. In verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, that word pledged means engaged. And their view of engagement in that day, excuse me, was totally different from our view of engagement. Our view of engagement is, hey, I asked you to marry me, and at some point, We'll start planning our wedding. Engagements can last months to years, just depends. But in that day, if you were engaged, you were all but married. The license was done. If you can, they didn't have a license, but if you think about it, the license was done. You were considered marriage. All that didn't happen was the ceremony. And so the husband and the wife would not come together until the ceremony. It wasn't like today where people lived together and hung out together and all kind of other things together. There they stayed separated. And it's likely, we don't know, that Mary's marriage to Joseph was possibly an arranged marriage. Possibly that he was told, hey, this person will be your wife. And and we don't know the specifics. We just know that where it says he was pledged, that they were engaged, they were all but considered married, And then it says, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, she was found by him, and basically, she told him, hey, I'm pregnant, and God did it. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And the reason he had to divorce her was because in that culture, even though they, they didn't have the ceremony, they were considered pretty much married. I'm sorry about the microphone. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, which was a blessing in those days, and you are to give them the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now when Joseph woke up, and it's important to know that this was a dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he, assuming the role of the father, gave him the name Jesus. And we've all heard and read this account before, but I wanted to look at it from the human perspective of Joseph, this average guy who's just a working class, you know, according to, you know, uh, history, a carpenter, um, not a CEO of a carpenter company, but a carpenter. And his intended bride shows up and says, I'm pregnant. And there's a couple of things that he had to overlook before he decided, I'm going to take her home with me to be my wife. First, he had to look at Mary. And um, anyone previously Catholic here? Okay, wow. Okay, forgive me for what I'm about to say because people get really upset when you talk about Mary. But this is a fact that where it says that Joseph considered these things, the things that he considered was one, that Mary might have been cheating on him. And I know, you know, Catholics get really mad when you talk about Mary because she is Holy Mother. But this is one of the things that, and think about it, if your wife or spouse person you're about to get married came up and said, I'm pregnant, but God did it. First thing, human, that goes through your mind is, well, she's cheating on me because you didn't do it. In that day, they didn't come together. They didn't have sex. They barely spent time together, except on specific occasions for family venues. But Joseph, no, he didn't do it. The other thing he had to consider was, hey, perhaps Mary was raped. I mean, they lived in a very brutal, brutalistic culture in that day. They were occupied by a foreign government, and whenever foreign soldiers go in, there's, there's that kind of thing that happens. And perhaps she said God did it because she was ashamed and humiliated that someone had violated her. And then the other thing that he had to consider, and again, not, not trying to be disrespectful, but other thing that he had to consider was because in that day they weren't rich people. 90% or, or more of the people were working class. The only people who were rich were usually doing it through illegal means. So he had to consider that maybe, and this is what a lot of women in that culture did in order to make ends meet, they went out and prostituted themselves. Because... If you're in a family where, for whatever reason, mom can't work or doesn't work, dad is unable to work or can't work, if there is a dad, and you're old enough to bring in money, you went to work. But if you don't have a skill, and in a culture that repressed women, didn't allow them to work, that was one of the only things. All of these things are the things that were going through, most likely, Joseph's mind, when it says he considered all these things. But then... Uh, after considering, you know, what's going on with Mary, he also had to, I'm sorry, let me go back, think about what the law said. Because the law said that if a woman committed adultery, which is what this would have been considered, she was supposed to be killed. Right? And as the verse that popped up, it was about to show in Leviticus chapter 20, said the man who commits adultery with another's wife, even his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, it says that if a man is found lying with another man's wife, they shall both die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. From God's perspective, adultery, breaking the marriage covenant, was an evil thing. And actually, this was the, although they didn't quote it, the verse that they were trying to enforce when they brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus and said, hey, she was literally caught in the act. She's supposed to be stoned. What do you say? 
they were using this verse because they both were supposed to die. If a man is found lying with another man's wife. And the verse that we just went through a couple of weeks ago in Malachi literally says, Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, for the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate divorce, which is what this would have been, and marital, marital separation, and him who covers his garment, his wife, with violence. Because God considers that breaking of the marriage covenant not only evil, but a violent act. Therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit that it may be controlled by my spirit that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate. So from Joseph's perspective, he's looking and he's saying, well, Mary is pregnant. She's violated the law because somehow she got pregnant. She said God did it. In his mind, he's thinking that's not possible. So some other man had to do it. And the law says that I have to turn her in but because he was a righteous man, he said, you know what? I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I don't want her to be put to death. I don't want her to be publicly shamed. But I don't want to take on this responsibility that's not mine. And then he went home. He made up his mind. This is what I'm going to do. But then the angel showed up. And the angel said, hey, I know you've got all this going on in your mind, but Mary was right. God did do this. But here's the thing, the thing that the angel told him to do violated the thing that religion told him to do. Religion said, hey, guess what? Turn her in. She's got to pay the consequences. The righteous thing to do is the path that he was trying to take. I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm not going to shame her. I'm just going to let her go. And then God shows up in the form of an angel and says, hey, take her home with you. Don't divorce her. Don't turn her in. And, and here's the thing, that, that level of, here, here I have the religious thing to do, which everyone expects me to do. I have the righteous thing to do, which may not be that religious, but I'm trying to uphold that by do what's right by her. And then the angel comes in and says, I have this radical thing for you to do. I want you to take her in as your wife. And here's, here's the thing that, that shocks me, and I was talking with them, the college group at CCAC were talking about this whole scenario. Um, this whole thing, the angel showed up, it was a dream. It's one thing if you're driving down the street on your way to 7-Eleven and an angel appears in the seat next to you in your car. Or if you're walking from your car through the parking, parking lot uh, up to your house or into work and an angel shows up and says, let's talk. But when you have a dream that says, here's the thing that you are to do, that could be too much pizza it could be too much, you know, they didn't have pizza in that day, too much couscous, whatever. Uh, it could be, you know, just the weight and the stress of, of dealing with it. But it doesn't necessarily transfer to, hey, I've got to do this thing. But that dream was so powerful that it transferred to belief. To where he said, I'm not going to turn her in. I'm not going to divorce her quietly so that she's not disrespected and shamed. He said, I'm going to do what the angel told me to do in my dream. I'm going to take her home. Now, we know that he took her home. We know that he treated her, took her home as his wife, but he didn't treat her as his wife. Because in Joseph being aroused from sleep, as we just read, this is the amplified version, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took her to his side as his wife, 
So he said, I'm going to forego everything that I thought. I'm going to take her as my wife. But he had no union with her as her husband until she had borne her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He believed what the angel showed up and told him. And this is, this is radical type of faith. When you see, you know, here's the situation with Mary. You see, here's what the law says. Then I have this angel telling me what to do. But that was only a dream. But I'm going to choose to believe it. And that leads to that radical type of faith that allows us to transcend whatever we're dealing with. And when the baby was born, the fact that he gave him the name meant that he was accepting that child as his own because that was a, a role that specifically applied to the father and he was accepting that child as his own. That kind of radical faith is what brings the blessings from God. And we typically don't think about this story except on Christmas. But here's what I want to do because um, and I'm, I guarantee you none of you guys remember this, but a while back I asked you guys to write out things that you were feeling like God has blessed you with. And you guys filled um, this little jar, which is empty now, and there's a reason, I'll tell you why in a minute, with here's all the things that I know that God has blessed me with. And I said, hey, Christmas is on a Sunday this year, so we'll read through all of those things Christmas morning and share the things that God has blessed us with, things that we only have because of the birth of Christ. So here's a lot of them, some of them I, because people were naming people specifically, and I didn't know if it would have been right to read those out loud, but I, uh, I, I here's, here's the majority of them. Someone said, uh, praising God for blessings, family, talents, health, and happiness, and for the promise of the world to come. Someone else said that, uh, or many people said, praised God for this congregation, amen, uh, our church family, amen, the pastor, amen, and the fellowship, and preaching of God's word, amen. So many people were just happy to be a part of, of this congregation. Uh, many praise God for their children, their gan grandchildren, uh, that they have a home to share with them. Uh, and a lot of people listed the names of their children and grandchildren and said, I'm so blessed to have them. And, and I know this may seem like an idle blessing, but many of us know people who we're you know, not connected. They're not connected with either of their children or their grandchildren, or their siblings, and so they don't have that relationship. But so many people were praising God for those relationships. Uh, someone said, having someone to love and cherish all of my life. There are a lot of people that either don't have someone to love them, don't feel like no one loves them, but whoever wrote this said, I am just so blessed to have someone to love and cherish all my life. Someone else said that, um, praising God, that I was able to praise him through the storms. Amen. That's really acknowledging, hey, I've had some hardships, had a lot of trouble, but I was able to praise God through it. Someone else said, thankful for God's mercy and grace in my life. Someone else said, thankful for Jesus and his blessings of home, job, and family. And I know I shouldn't say this, but this was uh, one of, because there were a couple, but this was one of my favorites, because whoever wrote this was saying, everything I have, it comes from God. My home that I live in, that they pay the mortgage on, that comes from God. The job that they go to work and they earn a pay, it comes from God. The family that everyone's listing their blessings for, it comes from God. Whoever wrote this, and no one put their names on them, so I don't know who wrote which ones. They were just acknowledging everything I have 
comes from God, and I'm thankful for it, and I consider it a blessing. Someone else uh, put, thankful that God has pulled us through health issues and what we call a crisis. And there were lots of people who said, thanking God for bringing me through a medical issue or through this issue or through that issue. Someone else said that, um, praise God for putting someone in my life who loves, supports, and encourages me. Uh, Someone else said, praise God for still holding my hand and not letting go even when I fail. And I I had to say amen to that because I mess up so many times. And God doesn't forsake me. He never lets me go. He still loves me. He still cares about me. Someone else said that um, for our praise team and their commitment to fully worship God in song, amen to that. Uh, Someone else said, um, praising God for providing a place to live and for putting new people in my life and for my church home. Someone else said, praise God that I'm finally in a place, and again, this was one of my favorites too, finally in a place financially to be more generous to those in need. Because I, I, again, I mess up a lot. So when I got out of the military and I was struggling financially, uh, once God started, you know, bringing me more money, my, my, my thing that I would have wrote at that time was praising God that I'm finally in a place financially to have more money, period. That would have been me. And to whoever this is, their thing is, God has blessed me so I can be a blessing to others. Praise God for that. Now, this is the last one. I think this next one is the last one, and this is the one I wrote. Um, Praise God for allowing us to be a congregation where the word is preached, the gospel is shared, Jesus is exalted, and people are shown the love of Christ and invited to be recipients of his love. Praise God for that. So uh, I'm going to cut this short because it is Christmas morning, and I want everyone to be able to go back and uh, spend some time with their families. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, We're going to close out with one more uh, song, but as they come up, uh, let me just share this prayer quickly. God, we thank you so much for everything that you have blessed us with. Everything that we just read, the ones that, that were not read, the ones that were not written, We thank you for um, just the relationships that you give us, the people that we're able to acknowledge as a part of our life, the circles of influence you allow us to be a part of. We thank you for every single thing that we have, our home, our job, the clothes on our back. We acknowledge it all comes from you. And we acknowledge that it's all made possible by the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, whose birthday we celebrate today. God, we thank you that we have that level of faith that allowed us to enter into a relationship with you. But we pray that you would give us that radical faith that allows us to endure no matter what we are going through. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.